You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this evening comes to us from the prophet Joel in chapter 2 of his uh, book of prophecy. I'll be reading verses 1 and 2 and then verses 12 uh, through 17. God, through the prophet Joel, says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on the holy mountain. Let the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been seen from old nor will be again after them in the ages to come. Yet now, says the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering from the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even the infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and her bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make a heritage of mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the people, where is their God? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are, as we say together. Amen. The most important thing you can learn to do in your life is to ask good questions. These are the words of one of my college literature professors, Dr. Jenny Bangsand, spoken during a required language arts lecture for any student taking a language arts class during the spring semester of 2008 at the University of Sioux Falls. The most important thing you can learn to do in your life is to ask good questions. Throughout my time in college and seminary, a few lectures and presentations have stuck with me the same way that these words from Dr. Bangsand have. And I think these words have stuck with me because they are just so right. If you know how to ask good questions, you can basically learn how to do anything in so many different areas. My best friend Chad basically taught me how to replace brake pads by allowing me to ask questions while he did the first one and I did the second one. I learned how to tie a tie 
by watching YouTube videos. And I found those YouTube videos because I knew how to Google a good question. I had to watch the video a few times, and I had to watch the video while I tied the tie for about a month, but now it's pretty much second nature on the one night I didn't wear a tie to church. But I've learned more about different situations and different scenarios because I have kept Dr. Bangston's words so close to my heart all of these years. The most important thing you can learn to do in your life is to ask good questions. And so take tonight, this odd night, where we have come together as a community of faith to sing our belief and to put ashes on our foreheads while we hear the familiar and unsettling words about the truth of who we are. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. So the question is, what is the good question that Ash Wednesday wants us to ask? What is the good question for tonight? And I believe that the good question for you and for me for this evening, based on our scripture from Joel chapter 2, is this. What does God really want? This is the good question. What does God really want from you and from me? What does God want from us as individual believers and as a community of faith? And the interesting thing to me is that Joel, the prophet, is navigating a world where the people of God were not even asking this question because they were so assured that they knew what God wanted. Thanks in large part to the law of Moses as recorded in Exodus, Leviticus, and other places in the Bible, their religious life was marked by different rituals. Cleansing rituals at the temple. Purification rituals to be performed at home, mourning rituals that made it publicly aware that one was in mourning. Their ritualistic faith guided their lives. If you have a baby, you do the ritual. If you accidentally come into contact with a dead body, you do the ritual. Are you mourning the death of someone near and dear to you? You do the ritual. Did you sin against heaven? Then do the ritual. All of these rituals were designed to bring people back closer to God. All of these rituals were designed to be for atonement, the state of being made right with God once again. And so it would be safe to assume that these rituals are all that God wanted. Right? I saw a head shake. I appreciate you. The problem that when Joel begins his prophetic ministry, the problem that they are facing is the fact that all of their rituals have broken down. Their ritualistic actions were devoid of meaning. And if they didn't know it, God did. 
the people of God would go through the motions of mourning by tearing their clothes and wearing sackcloth and putting ashes on their head. The people of God would go through their rituals in order to be made right with God once again, but just continue on their merry little ways to do whatever they wanted after being made right with God. Because after all, if they messed up again, they knew that all they had to do was just do the ritual one more time. Their purification did not change anything. It did not change their outlook. It did not change their inlook. It did not change their perspective. They just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then once they had done what they wanted to do, they went back to the ritual to be made right with God, believing that their rituals would be enough to claim God's favor. That all changes with our scripture this evening. That all changes with the prophet Joel. In our scripture, go sit down, sweetheart, it's okay. I'll be down in a little bit. That all changes with the prophet Joel. Because what Joel is asking the people of God to do was to really do something. Joel is instructing the people of Israel to forgo in observing their traditional symbols and rituals and, and allow themselves to really experience repentance, to actually be purified, to actually be changed. And so Joel says to the people of God, rend your hearts, tear your hearts and not simply your clothing. Sincerely give your full heart to God and experience the Lord's mercy. Return, O Israel, to your basic theological declaration. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Through the prophets, God is asking the people of God to come to a, re a renewed sense of faith. To acknowledge that they had fallen short in living up their end of the covenant. And to find their own way out of their own brokenness. To actually express their own sadness for the things that they have done and the things that they have left undone. So the word of God comes to the people of Israel and the word of God comes to you and to me this evening. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Actually feel. Don't just rip your shirt and trade your usual clothes for sackcloth and ashes because that's what the law tells you to do. Do those things because that's what you know you need to do. Rend your hearts. This is what God really wants from the people of God, and this is what God really wants from you and me. That's what this night is about. That's why this night is so important. 
That's why this night has been so foundational to my faith and the faith of so many. On Ash Wednesday, we take this time to open our hearts, open our minds, surrender our wills, and seek to answer the question, what does God really want from us? As we come to receive these ashes this evening, God is calling us. God is begging us, as with the people of Israel, to come forward with an open heart and an honest spirit that is willing to actually deal with our own brokenness and be willing to be truly made right with God once again. This is what God really wants. And friends, it is amazing to see what doors God can open when we put our whole rent hearts into God's hands, into our rituals and our rituals of faith. It's amazing what God can reveal to us when we follow the prophet's teaching and actually rend our hearts. What God may be up to may be a call to renewed service with renewed fervor. It might be a call to something entirely different and entirely new. It might be a call away from a bad habit. Or maybe, just maybe, this is the night when we rend our hearts and experience for the first time not just the weight of our sin, but the weight of God's forgiveness. Or maybe even it's a call to return to the merciful presence of God. A call that you can hear now that this time of worship has stripped away everything else and left us with nothing but our hearts in pieces. And so, dear friends, let us rend our hearts before God. Let us experience the truth of God's word and the depth of God's love. and the real change that God is calling us to make during this season of Lent and as we go forward. Would you pray with me? Holy and just God, we give you thanks for this night and for what this night offers for us, an opportunity to come before you in maybe even an entirely different way than we're used to. God, you know our hearts. You know what they hold. You know the depth of our love for you and the depth of our conviction of our faith. And we just simply ask tonight that you would rend our hearts. that in rending our hearts, you'd make room for us to grow during this season of Lent. That we may be even truer disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. That we can follow you more closely, serve you more faithfully, and share you more openly with a world that still needs rent hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.